I was thrilled this morning whenever I learned that uh, we have a guest here today, and hopefully more than one, because I've heard this, I've heard this two or three times during the last month. But someone that's here today because they wanted to come here because they discovered that we use the King James version of the Bible. Boy, you know, I think back when I started preaching, and the amazing thing about that is that nobody, nobody had to wonder what version of the Bible that you used. And uh, but things have certainly changed a lot. And let me let me say, and, and we've had several messages on this, and and do occasionally because a lot of folks don't understand. There's a reason why we use the King James Version of the Bible. It's not just because it's the pastor's preference. Uh, it, it's because it is no doubt at all the most accurate and I think the most beautiful, but but mainly the most accurate version of all of the versions. And so we've got a we got a good reason for doing that. And uh, you can. You can rest assured that's all any of our teachers ever use here. Mark chapter number 14, we're going to begin in verse number 3. And being in Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at meat, there came a woman having an alabaster box of ointment of spikenard, very precious, and she broke the box and poured it on his head. And there were some that had indignation within themselves and said, why was this waste of the ointment made? For it might have been sold for more than 300 pence and have been given to the poor. And they murmured against her. And Jesus said, Let her alone. Why trouble ye her? She hath wrought a good work on me. For ye have the poor with you always, and whensoever ye will, ye may do them good, but me ye have not always." She hath done what she could. She has come aforehand to anoint my body to the bearing. Verily I say unto you, that wheresoever this gospel shall be preached throughout the whole world, this also that she hath done shall be spoken of for a memorial of her. This is one of my very favorite stories in all of the Bible. I preach from these verses on many different occasions. And, you know, maybe the hardest part of, about this message is trying to find what would be a suitable title for it. I, I preached a message called the uh, A Marvelous Memorial. And it certainly is just that when you think about uh, the memorial, not just what the woman did, but what the Lord said about what the woman did. Uh, I preached another message entitled, When Words Are Not Enough. You know, there's sometimes that words are just simply not enough to express what is in our heart, and it takes some act such as this in order to impress the one that we love. This morning, we're going to speak about a tremendous tribute. And uh, I think all of these titles capture some aspect of the story and it's real easy for me to stand here and to say something is tremendous. I met a preacher many years ago. In fact, this is the fellow that uh, that started the uh, the, the phrase. Uh, now I forgot what it was. Uh, uh, <laughs> Charles Tremendous Jones was his name. Somebody help me here. 
Kathy, Bev, y'all don't remember what? What was the statement he was famous for? I've heard him say it a hundred times. Well, it didn't impress me very much, I guess. Uh, but anyway, he'd be going along, and he was a big, tall, lanky guy, and he'd be preaching along, and all of a sudden he'd kick one leg up in the air where my leg won't go way up here somewhere, and holler, tremendous! And so after a while, whenever he'd be preaching in the town, they instead of introducing him as Charles Jones, it was Charles Tremendous Jones. And uh, But it's easy to say something's tremendous. Oh, I went on a trip and I just had a tremendous time or, you know, whatever. But listen, I have the facts for making that statement this morning. Uh, whenever whenever the, the Lord says, wherever the gospel is preached, now keep in mind, that's the most important message in all of the world, right? The gospel of Jesus Christ. Nothing more important than that. And he said, wherever the gospel is preached, I want you to tell what this woman has done. I've got to tell you, I've never read anything like that anywhere in the Bible. To me, that is one of the most amazing statements that I have ever read. And that's why I say this is a tremendous tribute. It's not, listen, it's not what I think about what she did, but it's what the Lord thought about it. And you have to admit one thing, this woman knew how to please the Lord, amen, for him to make a statement like that. And uh, I think we can learn a lot of things from her example. We could just sum it all up by saying that what she did was an expression of her love for him. And whenever you begin to break it down, you can think about her great love, you can think about her keen insight, her deep concern her wisdom to plan, her generous spirit, her determined attitude whenever the others begin to complain about what she was doing. But I want to sum it all up into three parts this morning. Three things I want you to think about. And the first is that she was communicating her love for Christ. And you'll notice here that what she gave equal a year's wages. Let that sink in a little while. A year's wages. She had this precious ointment in an alabaster box. She broke the box. She took of that precious ointment and anointed the Lord Jesus Christ with it. But the fact of the matter is you cannot measure what she gave in terms of dollars and cents. They complained. They said, well, why did you waste this? You know, it's a year's salary. We could have fed the poor with this. You know, I've often wondered if that's what they would have really done with it. We could have fed the poor. Well, of course you could. But notice here she gave all. And uh, she's doing the very best that she can. She, You know, she could have just dipped her finger in it and put some of that on his head and said, now I have anointed you for the bearing. You know, she could have done that, but but she just broke the, the, the vase and, and everything was poured out on him. Well, somebody probably is wondering, well, couldn't she just have said, I love you? Couldn't she have just said, you know, I so deeply appreciate the sacrifice that you're about to make for us. 
She could have said, you know, I've been thinking about what the Old Testament prophets said, how that you were going to be despised and rejected. I've been meditating upon that, and I know that the time is here. I know that they're going to nail you to the cross, and I want you to know I love you with all of my heart. Wouldn't, wouldn't that have been enough? And, and we look at the gifts she gave, and no doubt some thought this is extravagant, you know. And uh, the point is, folks, listen, sometimes unless what we do is extravagant, our expression of love is not really convincing. Have you ever thought about how much money is spent on flyers, for example? Why, why would we spend money on flyers and you take them out there, you know, and put them on the, the grave or wherever, you know, a wedding or a funeral or wherever. And just a matter of a few days, they're going to wilt. You're going to throw them out in the trash. No, nobody gets any benefit out of those by way of food value, that is. And it's not anything lasting like a piece of jewelry, for example, something that'll be there so why even ever bother with flyers well because it's listen it's not about the value in dollars and cents it's about the expression of love and concern and so many times we think about you know listen we could get by with so much less we in other words we could buy the very cheapest things possible you know the cheapest thing in the first place is not always the best bargain it's really not. Sometimes you've got to pay more to get more, something that, something that will last. I almost named a shoe place up here. I'm glad I didn't because I realize that people buy shoes there, and I understand that. And, and I realize that people probably criticize, you know, my wife because she, you know, she's got a certain kind of a purse or a certain kind of earring or whatever it is. You know what? That's none of your business. If I want to buy her a purse that costs a little bit more than a regular purse or something, that's between me and her. You say, yeah, but that's kind of extravagant. So what? It's you're not your money. And, and listen, sometimes love has got to be extravagant. And the thing, the thing of it is, folks, listen, if we just always do enough to just get by, just enough, you know, cut every corner that we have. Let me tell you, we've already been down that road years ago, uh, and not because of our choice, it's because of all the money we had. Uh, Kathy put something good on Facebook the other day, said, what a, wouldn't it be funny if, if, if somebody said, come on, kids, it's time for supper, everybody go get in the car. <laughs> now there's some of these young people thinking what's funny about that <laughs> i tell you what's funny about it whenever you're our age you realize that you ate at home you sat down at the table and uh, and whenever she wrote that i i, I just immediately thought back to all the all, all of those years we didn't eat out anywhere in the first place in, in the first place, we loved Bev's cooking, you know, and wanted to eat there. But we couldn't afford it. So we we decided on Tuesdays you could go to A&W Root Beer and get 10-cent uh, hot dogs every Tuesday. So whenever we took the kids out to eat, that's where we went out to eat. 
on, on Tuesday, sometimes we'd go down to the A&W and eat out. But we don't have to go down to A&W and eat 10-cent hot dogs anymore. You know, and I, I'm telling you, listen, I don't feel one bit guilty. All of those years that, I mean, we just got by on whatever we had. I don't feel bad whenever Bev and I go to uh, someplace and, and eat a ribeye steak. It doesn't make me feel bad at all. Uh, listen, the, the point I'm trying to make is, folks, Sometimes we let that mindset slip over into our spiritual life and what we do is end up treating God like He's some kind of a second-hand junk dealer and we can just put all of our old junk over onto God. Give Him the leftovers out of our life. So this woman was communicating her love for the Lord, but the second thing I want you to notice is that she was criticized. Isn't it a shame that this, listen, this magnificent moment here is marred by their murmuring. These small-minded men are murmuring about that. Yeah, there's always somebody that's going to try to look on the negative side of it. You don't have to listen to the choir sing. They're just waiting for somebody to miss a note. You know, if, if... if it's the bulletin, you know, or whatever it is, they just just waiting for that mistake. If the preacher's preaching a message, they're just <laughs> they're just waiting for him to mispronounce a word. And boy, you don't have to wait very long when I'm preaching. I'm telling you, because I I come from Missouri and I butcher the King's English. I really tear it up sometimes. Anybody pick up on the <laughs> Roller coaster uh, last week. I, I cut my eyes over at Bev when I said it because I knew I'm going to hear about that later. But, but why, why is it that there's always people looking for what's wrong instead of what's right? It, it, it's amazing to these men, and, and keep in mind, these men hadn't done anything. And this woman is doing something, and all of a sudden they are criticizing her as a result of it. Remember, Jesus taught a very important principle, and that's the principle of going the second mile. And you see, back in those days, the the Roman soldiers could come by a Jewish community, and, and they could say to one of the citizens here, take my pack and carry it for me. And, and by law, they were, were bound to do that. Well, naturally, you know some of those Romans took advantage of that, so there had to be some laws enacted to protect them. So the law was that they only had to go for a mile. And so you can imagine some old Roman soldier, you know, and he throws that pack down and says, here, I'm tired of carrying that, you stinking Jewish dog, pick that up and carry it for me. So he picks it up, he goes down there, and I can just picture this in my mind. He's stepping it off 5,280 feet, and he's come to the mile marker. And he, Because, listen, some historians said they literally, from their home, they marked it off and drove a marker, a peg in the ground, so it would remind them, this is the mile, that's as far as I've got to go. And Jesus comes along, and he says, if any man compels you to go one mile, go two. Go two. Go that extra mile. 
these men hadn't done anything, and yet they are complaining about this woman that was doing what Jesus had taught. She's going the extra mile. So she's communicating her love for the Lord. She's being criticized by these men that are doing nothing. But the third, and I think the most important part of this entire story is the fact that she is commended by the Lord. Notice what I said. He said, leave her alone. You know, that ought to have been the end of the argument right there because Jesus justified her judgment, and that's enough because winning his approval is all that really matters. Whether they liked it or not, that didn't matter. He was thrilled about it. A lot of people talk about wanting to please God, but they don't walk the talk, and they end up that rob themselves of blessings. But when I read this and I wonder about that statement, he said, okay, fellas, now from now on, anywhere that the gospel is preached in the whole world, I want people to hear about what this woman did. And I'll never forget many, many years ago, the first time that that really really struck me and I thought but what was it what was it about this that was so impressive that he said I want everybody to know about it and I'm convinced there are four things about her act that impressed Jesus that so much that he wants everybody to know about it first of all she did what she should have done she didn't preach a sermon she would have been out of place. Some years ago, we had a we had a couple, a family, and uh, that uh, actually had come forward and they joined the church. And it wasn't but just a few weeks. And this woman out in the corner of me, out in the parking lot, her and the husband, he's standing there. He was like a goalpost. He just dead as a hammer and didn't say anything. He's scared to death to say anything, but. She wonder why is all of the men run everything in the church? You have a deacon's meeting and nothing but men there. You have a trustee meeting, nothing but men there. I said, because the men are in the positions of leadership in the church. She said, well, do you think the men are smarter than the women? I said, not necessarily. No, I know some really smart women, but they're not deacons and they're not trustees and they don't do any preaching. You know, she got so mad they never come back again. You say, isn't that awful? No, it's great. Great. We don't need somebody like that here. We don't, listen, we don't have any women teaching young men either. Because we believe, as the Bible teaches, that's not to say that women are inferior to men in any way at all. It simply means that they have a God-given role, as we all do. You know, let me tell you, sometimes sometimes being a man and a pastor, and sometimes you feel like saying, okay, lady, you want it, you got it. Because it's not all the fun and games you think it is. This woman could have said, look, you guys have been doing all of the talking. I'm going to talk now. But she didn't do that. She didn't usurp authority over the men. She did what was pleasing to God. Right? She did what she should have done. Wouldn't it be great if everybody did what they should do? Think about that. 
Because, we, you know, we don't all do the same things. Let, just suppose that next week, I, and by the way, ever since I was a little boy, I wanted to play a musical instrument, and Dad played the juice harp and the harmonica, and I quit on the juice harp when about knocked my front teeth out with that flipper thing, and I quit on the harmonica after finally he got me a little cheap one and said, anybody can play a tune on a harmonica. I about blowed my brains out, and I never could, but... So I've listen. I've always wanted to play an instrument. I'd I, I love to play those drums, man. I just you think you think Zach gets loud, man. I'd knock the tops out of them suckers. I I'd love to play those drums. So well, I don't think y'all have drums in the church. Well, that's your opinion. You don't have any scripture for it, so so we're gonna leave them there. Listen. Wouldn't it be terrible next week if, if you came in and I was I was seated over at the piano and they said, "Well, where's where's Kathy Jean?" I said, "Oh, she." Uh, I decided I wanted to play today, but you never heard a mess like that would be a mess. Just because I want to do something doesn't mean I should do it. By the way, I'd love to I'd love to sing. I man, I'd wow. I, I think I think I figured out though why God didn't grace me with the ability to, to to be able to sing to sing well. Anybody can sing, but you know we can't all sing well. But I think I figured out though that He knows that I'd be singing every week because I would. I want to sing every week because I love to sing. I just can't sing. So you know if you came in every week and. Uh, who's got the special day, Brother Stone? Uh, well, he sang last week. Well, he's going to sing again today, and, and already next week he, he he wants to do the special music. Uh, boy, I'd love to be able to do it, but I shouldn't do that. I don't have a gift. I'm not gifted in that way. You see, we ought to do what we should. Secondly, she did what she could. Now, it might have been more. It might have been less than what somebody else could do. But listen... It's not the quantity, it's the quality that really matters. 1 Corinthians 3 and verse 13 tells us that God will try every man's work of what sort it is. Not what size, but what sort it is. The world applauds success. God crowns faithfulness. You see, it doesn't matter what anybody else does. Because we're not in competition with each other. Our job is to obey God, and God requires different things from different people. And that's all I've got to do is just do my job. I, well, we can all look around and think of a lot of different things that need to be done, but it's not our responsibility to try to do all of those things, because believe me, in the first few years as a pastor, I tried that and it didn't work very well. It didn't work out well for the church. It doesn't work out well for the preacher. Just because you want to do something doesn't mean you should. We're to do what, what we should and we should do what we, what we can, what we have opportunity to do. I sat in the office this morning thinking about this. This woman did what she could. She couldn't do a lot of things. And I thought about an old lady by the name of Mrs. Williams in a nursing home many years ago in Tennessee, just outside of between Humboldt and Jackson, Tennessee. 
And I'll never forget, Mrs. Williams never missed a service there. And Bev and I would go down sometimes, go in her room. She wanted us to come by and just sit and read the Bible to her. And uh, I'll never forget, I was usually gone out preaching revival meetings and in conferences just nearly every week. And she always wanted to know where I was going so she could be praying for me. And uh, so she had decided she was going to start, she wanted to support it. And she'd hear the, had a radio broadcast on Sunday morning and go to the service and, you know, on Saturdays go out there to the nursing home. So she gave me a little little note there and, and, and looked in it. And by the way, I've still got this in my file somewhere. The first one is a dollar in it. And she said, Brother Stone, that's, all, that's, that's all, all I've got. I wish I could give more. I begged her not to give me that dollar. And finally, she cut me off and let me know. Look, you're trying to rob me of a blessing. God put it on my heart that I want to give that. That's all I've got, and I want to I want to support the ministry. And, and anyway, you say, well, you still got the dollar? Yeah, I put a dollar in to cover that dollar, and I kept that dollar as a as a keepsake. Because here's a woman that is doing. She did what she could. She couldn't give a lot of money. This is all she could do. I think about a blind boy up in Kaufman, Texas. I'll never forget that, preaching a revival meeting there. And that boy, his mother would have been blind for years, and they just discovered that he was was going blind. He just recently entirely lost his sight. And I preached something about serving God that week, and he got a real burden on his heart, what to do, how can I serve God? And at first it was really bitter that God would take away his sight. Boy, he come into that meeting and that the, one night, the next night, after he had made a commitment to the Lord, and he was smiling and happy, and he's uh, and he wanted to share. What he had done was to take. He had a braille phone book, I guess, and was able to get the phone numbers of everybody in town. He'd spent the entire day just calling people, letting them know, "Hey, we're having a revival down there. We'd like to invite you to church." And he was just thrilled that he found something that he could do. He couldn't do a lot of other things, but he could do that. I'm telling you, I could go on and on and on thinking back over the years of people that have made a great contribution to God's work because they did what they could do. And that ought to be the attitude of every one of us. This woman couldn't do a lot of things, but there's something that she could do, and that's what we should do. Our lives are God's gift to us, and what we do with them is our gift to God. She did what she should, she did what she could, but notice, she did all she could. It says she, notice that she broke the alabaster box. She, she gave every bit. You know, God's never pleased with half-hearted obedience. The Bible says, thus did Noah, according to all that God commanded him, so he did. Wouldn't it be great if they could chisel that on your tombstone when you're dead and gone? All that God commanded him or her, so he did. He didn't leave anything undone. He gave all. And yet, for some reason, we seem to be content with being average, which puts us as close to the bottom as it does to the top. 
rather than wanting to excel and to do all that we can do, we try to just cut corners and get by with as little as possible. And they criticized her. That's why if you're going to serve God, you have to have a tender heart and a tough hide. Because it's going to happen. Somebody, and it might even be some member of your own family, but somebody's going to criticize you. And here's a woman that did what she should, what she could. She did all she could do, and they're griping about it. You know, she could have just said, well, I'm sorry you all feel that way. I'm not going to do anything else for the Lord anymore. Look, if you're doing it for the Lord, stop worrying about what other people think about it. Yeah, I'm amazed. People say, well, I'm, you know, I've, I've just decided I'm not going back to church down there anymore. Why, did God treat you so awful and so terrible that you're going to bail out on His church? Oh, no, he didn't do anything to me. Those people down there, boy, some of them are, you know, well, yeah, but I don't care where you go, you're going to find people like that. We're not running, uh, listen, we're not running an operation here for perfect people. We're all in perfect. This is a hospital for the sick, a rescue mission for those that are down and out. None of us are perfect. You find a perfect church, don't join it because you'll ruin it. We're not perfect. God hasn't done you any wrong. I'm here to let you know right now, you're not going to run me off. You might vote me out, and I can't do anything about that. You're not going to run me off. I mean, we listen, Bev and I know this is where God put us, and we don't plan on leaving. You say, we won't give you a raise. So what? I don't care. You say, well, I'll take away what you got. Well, you just help yourself. Listen, you, if you're going to, if you're going to last when it comes to serving God, you can't let the criticism of others stop you from doing what you should do. And then there's something else here about this and, and, and it really amazes me and, and it's certainly the, the fact that the Lord is commending her. And, you know, some of them could have said, you know, I gave more than that last year, or I did more than she did. Do you you know how the Lord measured her gift and how He measures what we give? We we, we look at a gift and we think about it's all in dollars and cents, right? We measure a gift by what is given. The Lord measures the size of a gift by what's left over. Amen? She didn't have anything left over. It was all gone. She gave all. We've never really given our best until we're willing to give our all. Now, I worded that very carefully because I don't want you to leave here saying, well, the preacher said we've never given our best unless we give everything we've got. No, I said unless we're willing to give everything we've got. We've got to be willing to do what God wants us to do, willing to do what we should do, even if it means everything. But then there's one last thing, too, that really impressed the Lord, I believe. She did what she should. She did what she could. She did all she could. But she did what she could while she could. 
Do you notice the Lord said, you're going to have the poor people with you always. But he said, I'm not going to be with you always. And notice verse number 8, it says, she had made plans. She prepared this aforehand. Now, when you go over to Luke chapter 23, you'll find that after the Lord was buried, some of the other women came later, and they brought their... They brought their spices and precious ointments and things later. And when they got there, what? He is gone. He was gone. They missed an opportunity. This woman was determined she wasn't going to miss the opportunity. She's planning. She's thinking about what is about to happen. You know, the Lord warned us about that. He said, the night cometh when no man can work. The time for service is right now. We need to be like Joshua when it says, he left nothing undone. Wow, I wish I could have a testimony like that because I know I, I have failed so miserably. That can't be said of me, but I wish it could. And he left nothing undone. I want to be like, you know, the Apostle Paul when he said, For I am now ready to be offered. The time of my departure is at hand. I fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. And more than anything in all of the world, the greatest reward that I can imagine for serving God is to hear him say, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. You remember that old song says, do what you can where you are. There's a job to be done where you are. To the Savior be true in the place given you. Do what you can where you are. Why should we? Well, because God deserves our best. God demands our best. God demonstrated what it means to give your best. And God delights in us giving our very best to Him. Do you, do you want your life to make a lasting impression? You do what she did, and I can guarantee you that when you're dead and gone, others will remember the service that you rendered for the Lord. I sent out an email about, for the love of teachers, just a little encouragement, you know, to pray for our teachers and what have you. I, I can't remember what I did yesterday sometimes or earlier today, but I can remember all the way back to elementary school in grades one, two, three, four, five, and so I, I can remember nearly every teacher I ever had. I can still see their faces. I can tell you which ones were, in my estimation, were mean and which ones were good. You see what I'm saying? Let me tell you, folks, listen, one of these days you're going to be dead and gone. Whether you like to think about it or not, you're not going to be here forever. And you look around at all of these kiddos, you know, they're going to remember you. When you're dead and gone, I'm telling you, some of them say, I'll tell you, the, the, boy, yeah, I remember her. Boy, she was always so sour and hateful to me. And I, Yeah, I remember her. Or it might be, yeah, I remember her. 
She really cared about me. She prayed for me. She put her arm around me and comforted me whenever I was going through a difficult time. You're going to be remembered for something. They can bury you and throw six foot of dirt in your face, but your influence is going to live on and on and on. Robert Moffat, the famous missionary for many years, he said, you know, He said, we'll have all eternity to celebrate our victories. But he says, we only have one short hour before the sun sets to win them. This woman realized that there is a window of opportunity open for me to do something to express my love for the Lord. I'm not going to miss it. And she saved up for just a time like this. And she just dumps it all out on him. She did what she should and what she could. She did it while she could do it. And today is your day of opportunity. I, I don't know exactly what God might want you to do, but I know that you will never, ever regret doing what you should. That, you see, that's the way that we communicate our love for the Lord. Anybody can get up here and sing, oh, how I love Jesus. That's the easiest thing in the world. Anybody can do that. But it's another thing to put it into shoe leather and by our actions prove that we really do love the Lord. Boy, I'll tell you what, (laughs) nobody would ever doubt this woman's love for the Lord. And that's the way it ought to be with you and I when others think about us. You know, they might say, well, I tell you, I didn't like the way his hair was cut. I didn't like, I, I didn't like his views on, on politics. I, I didn't like the ball team he rooted for. But I'll tell you one thing. He, he really stuck with what he believed, and he really cared about the Lord, you know. That's the most important thing. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. I... I I I just can't wait to hear those words. I I hope and I pray that that's the way it will be when I finally stand before my Lord. Well done. Let's stand together. Father, how we thank you for people like that woman. And we realize, Heavenly Father, that all of the people like her did not... did not... uh, disappear suddenly when she died. But all down through the centuries, there have been men and women that have demonstrated the the greatness of their love for Christ. And how I thank you for people like that. Heavenly Father, I thank you for people that have you placed in this church here that are willing to go above and beyond the call of duty, willing to do their their very best. And Lord, I pray that you'll just challenge each and every one of us here this morning that we'll follow the example of our dear Savior who gave His all on the cross. We have no reason to doubt or to ever question whether He loved us or not. He proved it. And help us, Heavenly Father, through our obedience and by our attitude Help others to remove all doubt as to whether we love you or not. May your Spirit draw us close to your side and may we follow your word and do your will.
And especially today, if there's someone here that's never been saved, help them to understand that you love them so much that your son died for their sins. And they too could become a child of God right here, right now, this morning. For we pray in his precious name. Amen. As we